Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. It means another episode of Unfiltered coming your way here and now. If you're watching on board or following along, we are live right now, a live episode on a Monday at noon Eastern time here on Twitter and on the YouTube channel. If you're listening, belated, welcome on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. And thank you, Unfiltered Band. You could jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution anytime and get uh, all your merch at Believe, uh, B-L-E-A-V, at the Believe Network, at Believe Sports. You can also jump on my Twitter for information on that, if you're in the Twitter side of things, get into the bio, hop on board the YouTube channel. You can get video of all of the podcast episodes, now 83 deep, including all of our interviews and conversations. And I'll get into a couple of those kind of most recently that we've had on here that are timely and uh, give you a preview of what's coming here in the next couple of days. So a lot to get to. Let me give you a setup of kind of what I'm going to hit today on this live edition of the show. We'll talk uh, historic chases and what a weekend it was. Albert Pujols, 699 and 700. We'll get into Aaron Judge as the Yankees get set up for a series up in Toronto against the Jays. The Guardians, they tweeted earlier today, nobody believes in us and we don't care. Does that mean that they do? Do you? And does anybody pay attention to what the Guardians have done? Because they should. We'll get into that, the AL Central champs. Also, We'll head out west on the National League side where the Dodgers are having a record season. But now, even though Doc Dave Roberts says that he expects Dustin May back by the time we get to the NLDS, with all the injuries and the issues that the Dodgers have currently, should they be concerned? If you're a Dodger fan, are you? You could jump in on those and any of the questions and all that we talk about, by the way, I should mention, live here in the chat. You can tweet at me. Answer questions, comments, and I'll kind of react to them here live along the way. Or you could jump in. All you got to do is click on the stream, get into the chat, and you can have a conversation. I could chat with you along the way and hit your questions right here uh, on uh, your Twitter side of it if you're watching there. On the eastern side, we'll get into the Mets and the Braves. That chase is now the team's set up for this big weekend set down here in Atlanta where I am coming up on Friday. Braves. Uh, who get uh, one of those games at hand today as they play the Nationals. Mets getting set up for the Marlins. That series will begin tomorrow. We'll talk about that. And the historic mark of Pete Alonso, now the RBI leader, all-time in a single season for the New York Mets. We'll get into that. Also want to hit some NBA today. Going to have David Aldridge on the show tomorrow. Also, by the way, John Gibbons. And I've got uh, Tyler Kepner and some other fun things coming up here next couple of days. But DA going to join me to talk about Nets Media Day. And I want to get into a couple of the comments from, uh, you know, these media days are, you know, are always something else. I mean, you know, everybody's you know, in the best shape and every team's going to be amazing. And, and yeah, it's the same way in covering, you know, I don't know, 17 spring training tours that I did. Uh, it's the same kind of crap in all these sports until you, you, you find out, you know, when the proof is in the pudding, when they actually get down the field or in the court in this case. Speaking of which, uh, welcome back to the ice. Uh, my New York Islanders as preseason hockey begins for them. Won't hit that here because I don't want to chase people away who don't like hockey, at least for now. So a lot to get to here on the show. You could jump in anytime you want. Also want to throw out a question to you on Twitter because I'm curious for the, the baseball diehards. Everybody has talked about and we have here at the show 
about the dominant level of the Dodgers, of the Astros, of the Mets, and of the Braves. Outside of that four, if you will, the forefathers of, of 2022, outside of the Mount Rushmore of the regular season, who's the dark horse in Major League Baseball to do some damage come postseason time? Who's the dark horse to be able to find a way to go deep and make a playoff run in Major League Baseball this season? Are you buying into the Jays? Are you a believer in the St. Louis Cardinals? Are you a believer in the Guardians? Are you a believer in the Seattle Mariners playing with house money, even though obviously something here lately? You're buying into the Rays, who always seem to surprise. You're finding something that you like about the Phillies or the San Diego Padres, or if you're a believer the Brewers are still going to get in. Who's the dark horse in Major League Baseball? Get at me on Twitter. I'm curious, and I'll uh, read some of your responses here during the live broadcast, and obviously love conversating with you guys you know, off the air as well. Let's start with the chases. We spent so many years worrying about what we could believe, worrying about what we could expect in terms of disappointment from some of the great moments we had as fans. Everybody remembers 1998. Nobody remembers it the same way now than they did in 1999 or 2000 when you're sitting there and thinking, you know, unbelievable and, and how amazing it was to spend those moments as a baseball fan, forget about covering it. And I remember in my early 20s at the time spending those times with my father watching those games. I remember those moments. They're different now. To be in a chase that we're in here, and it's something, among other things, that I chatted about with Matt Holiday, who joined me in episode 83, which you can get on everywhere you get your podcasts or in my YouTube channel in the Twitter bio, as you know, he was talking about you know, being a friend and a former teammate of both Judge and Holiday and uh, Albert Pujols, just how different it is even as a baseball player, knowing what these guys are doing for this sport and what this chase has meant after there were so, so many questions about what we could or could not believe for so, so many years. These are two genuinely likable people. These are people who are easy to root for. You go back to Albert Pujols and just think about, if you haven't seen it, go back on Twitter and go watch his comments that he made at Dodger Stadium before the game. And just how grateful he was for the belief that that team and those fans had in him that he wasn't done after that time with the Angels. These are guys that are easy to root for. These are guys you want to see have success and do well. For Albert Pujols to have this kind of an end to his career, and you know there doesn't need to be now any more chanting about one more year. We're not going to fall short of 700. He's going to get postseason at-bats, and all that's amazing, and it's great. But for Albert Pujols to be at this point in his career, and after the home run derby to get back into the spotlight, and as Matt was telling me in the pod, and you could really see, I mean, refine, you know, bat speed we didn't even think he still had. I mean, we know obviously Albert Pujols could still hit lefties, but he had been so bad against right-handers, and in general, so depleted from the plantar fasciitis and all the injuries and all the age and all the things that he'd gone through and all the disappointments with the Angels who had been decrepit and what a losing situation that was. We saw him get revived to some extent with the Dodgers, but I don't know if anybody thought, as great as it was that he was in the home run derby and part of the spectacle of All-Star Weekend, and all that was great, I think, as a baseball fan, we all enjoyed that. I don't think anybody thought they were going to see this kind of finish from him. Nobody. You know, I, I think maybe the only guy who believed that he still had that left in him would be Albert Pujols because of the confidence level that that man has in himself. Probably the only dude that you could even say was remotely believing that he could put together this kind of a second half. The only guy with more home runs in the last couple of months in the sport than Albert Pujols is Aaron Judge. 
I mean, that's how brilliant he's been. To see that moment, and a great job by Wayne Randazzo, who was great on, the, on both calls, but to sit there and see 699 and 700, how cool of a moment was that? I mean, I said this on Twitter on, on, on uh, you know, the night that it happened over the weekend. I'm curious how many people were feeling this that are baseball fans. I just wanted to inject all that in my veins. How can you not be romantic about baseball, as they say in Moneyball? There's something different about baseball numbers and baseball statistics and baseball history that just hits you different. If you're a baseball fan, I'm curious. Tweet at me or jump in the chat. Or if you're listening to this on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere afterwards, I'm curious. I mean, is this hitting you different? Because, look, I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm not a Cardinal fan. I'm a baseball fan. I'm all over Aaron Judge hitting these home runs this weekend to go here this week, whether it's in Toronto or as they move through the schedule in this final eight, nine games, whatever it is. To, to get these marks and to become the, the AL champ. And I don't want to hear about him being the home run champ because whether you like Barry Bonds or didn't understand why he was sitting there talking to A-Rod last night or you don't know the numbers that he put up and which ones are BS and which ones are real, he's the dude. He's that dude, and that's the end of that, all right? But this is, we're talking about as great a finish for Major League Baseball as we've seen in a long time. Baseball... Baseball boring, baseball's too long, baseball's dead, nobody cares about it. All that garbage that everybody's spewing out, including people who do this for a living, whether they're in talk radio or they're on television or they're sitting there and they're spewing this nonsense during games. And I hated that during calls of games over the last few years, hearing about how bad the game was. Who's talking now? Yeah, yeah, we got changes. We got things that we got to deal with, right? We got you know, issues with strike zones. We got issues with replay. We got issues with you know catcher collisions and how they're handled. You got issues with the shift and how that's going to be changed and why was it changed and you know and is it the right thing or is the league going the wrong direction? I see all these tweets and I, look, people who are friends of mine in the industry who sits on both sides. You know, some who say yeah, baseball's fine and others say it's it's, it's a travesty. You know, I, I'm not talking about the commissioner. I'm talking about the sport, right? I think a lot of us have the same idea about, you know, kind of where the commissioner lands in things. But but this is as good a finish in Major League Baseball as we've had in how long? You got an NL East race right now that is dynamic, which I'll get to here in a couple of minutes. You're going to have greats in the postseason, and that's the thing that's been lost about the chase here with Albert Pujols, and congrats again on 700. And just how remarkable that is. I mentioned this in a pod over the weekend, but if you didn't see it, Charlie Blackman, who I love, but Chuck Nasty came out and said, he said, took 36 years to hit the 207 home runs. At this rate, I'll be 140 when I hit 700. I mean, you think about the name. Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, Albert Pujols. His first 10 years, I don't care what era you like. I don't care left-handed, right-handed, ambidextrous. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Mike Trout, who I love, anybody you want to give me, best 10 years, as good a 10 years, as good an opening decade offensively as we've ever seen in the history of this sport. That's what Albert Pujols put up. And to bookend it this way, good for him. People are going to talk all they want about all the money that he took and getting the 50 extra million dollars to go to the Angels. People are going to talk a lot of crap about how he, you know, they, they didn't win and forget the fact that, that when he was healthy, when he got there, they won 98 games. Now, they went home in three days, but it's not his fault that the team decided, you know what would be smart? Let's take David Freeze and Howie Kendrick, who's probably their best hitter down the stretch, if you remember that team that lost to the Royals and what was that, 14. They, they took those two guys that just you know, basically left them on the curb, got rid of them immediately after the offseason. Team goes the opposite direction. They forget about pitching, and we know what the Angels are now, despite having, by the way, trend-setting and all-time players in Trout and Shohei Otani. 
But I, I love how the narrative should have never changed. People who sat there and I saw people in this business who a couple of years ago, forget right and Albert Pujols off, talking about him like he's the worst player in the game. Even if that was legit, which it was not, why the hell are you writing that? Why is that even something anybody wants to say? You know why? Because people want to crap on Albert Pujols because all the money he took. They want to crap on him because they wanted to say it was a bad contract. They want to crap on him because the Angels didn't win. Well, this isn't Tom Brady, a quarterback, or riding a Patrick Waugh or Martin Brodeur in a hockey season in a playoff run. You can't carry a team by yourself. Just ask Mike Trout. Can't do it. Not that kind of sport. People were crapping on Albert Pujols for no reason. Good for him. Good for him. And congrats again to Albert, and we'll watch Judge here as he sits at 60. Say this about Judge. It's ironic because, you know, people talking about and there's definitely human element, uh, you know, whether he feels it or not, because sometimes things are subconscious, and he may not notice that he's pressing or gripping it too tight. But you don't think he wants to give that to the home fans? Have you not tell, been able to tell already the respect that he has for being a part of the Yankee organization, for playing in New York, and for all of that? I mean, he obviously is buying into all of those things, all the above. He's sitting there at home. Of course he's sitting there gripping the bat a little bit tighter. Of course he wants to hit the home run at home. Of course he wants to break the mark there. Now getting out on the road, I'm sure he feels a hell of a lot better. And I expect him, I'm calling it right now, to hit 61 tonight. So we'll see. But uh, obviously, congrats to Pools and Aaron Judge on what he's accomplished as we await now the next home run. And anybody rooting against, you know, I was talking to somebody up in Toronto, one of their stations this morning. It's like your Jays fans sitting there like, you know, I hope he strikes out every time he gets up. Then you're a moron. Seriously, if you're rooting against it, it, I love my own teams also. Right. And if the Jays and Yankees are battling for first place, you want to tell me you hope Aaron, you, you don't choose that. It's like, you know, don't tell me you chose somebody to play well on a team you hate like you're a giant fan. And you got a, you know, Ezekiel Elliott on your fantasy team. You're rooting for him to run for 150 yards, and you're a moron too. But in a situation like this, I don't want to hear it. I mean, nobody should be rooting against history. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. So good for Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols, and congrats to them. I want to jump to the Guardians. Congrats to the Guardians who won the Central. Forget about people who are still, you know, pronouncing the team name wrong and saying it wrong and throwing, you know, uh, you know money into that jar. But, you know, you got the Guardians who tweeted out earlier today, hey, nobody cares about us and it, you know, nobody believed in us and we don't care. You know, first of all, you know, if you're tweeting it, it means you care. And I've covered two different sports in Cleveland. And I, I mean this with no disrespect. They care. I mean, I, I never been to a city. I've been around cities for 20 years covering the, these sports. And I never been to a city that is it feels more anger towards people not giving enough of a crap about them than Cleveland. They're like by far number one in that category. You got some other places where they're like, hey, how come we don't get this? Or why aren't we on TV? Why don't we get ratings? It doesn't matter. Even when LeBron was there, they found some way to find angst like they weren't getting enough credit. So please. However, the team deserves a ton of it. And kudos to them. Terry Francona, I mean, Tito's a Hall of Fame manager. This dude is, again, got a team in prime position. You think about all the times that they've had, you know, since he's been there. They've had situations where they've lost big players. They haven't been able to spend money. It doesn't matter. He's always got that team ready to play. And I remember sitting there and being around a team that went pretty deep into the postseason and got to a World Series that people weren't given a lot of credit to. Yeah, maybe they had the Klubers and, and the Lindors and some guys that at least kind of people could hang their hats on. And maybe they're not doing that with Andres Jimenez or or, or Naylor or, or, you know, whoever it may be, Ahmed Rosario, or you want to give me Class A, who, by the way, other, they, you know, other than Edwin Diaz, he's in a Class A of his own. 
as a closer. Those are the two best in the game. Book it. End. Sorry. I don't care trumpets or what kind of music you like. That's it. It's those two dudes. They got arms at the front end. You can get out. They, they make a lot of contact, which is important when you get to the postseason. They find a way to rally without home runs. They believe in themselves at an incredibly high level, and people should believe in the Guardians being a pain in the ass coming the postseason. Do I think they're taking out the Houston Astros? No. I've said this before. Say it again. Put this in ink. I don't think anyone is taking out the Houston Astros if they don't do it in five games. That's how you take out Houston. Their depth and their pitching and the way that things are right now, you got to take them out in five games. Because you get to seven, you're going to be in, in, in deep poop. But do I think the Guardians could do some damage in the postseason? Absolutely, they can. Why not? Why not? Give them more credit than they're getting. Because they're not getting any from anybody. Nobody even paying attention. The Twins went to sleep. You know, the White Sox were a disaster for most of the year. Then they kind of woke up, got off the mat. I can't figure them out. You know, we don't know whether or not, you know, is Tony going to be back next year? What kind of moves are they going to make? You know, who knows what with that organization? But the class of the Central all year, bell to bell, was this team. They deserved it. 17 out of 20. They didn't back in. They didn't sneak in. They had a great stretch. Give them credit where it is due. I don't want to hear, though, that the team says that they don't care that nobody cares because no one cares. No city cares. No fan bases care. More that other people don't pay more attention to them than they do in Cleveland. Nobody. Sorry. In New York, the New York Mets off today. The uh, They set up a series with the Marlins beginning tomorrow. The Braves have the Nationals in a game at hand, trying to cut that thing to one game. Obviously, everything has been about preparing for this series, which comes up on Friday, and some unbelievable matchups. Uh, unfortunate to see the injury to Spencer Strider. I hope he gets back. I hope he gets back healthy. I hope he's on the mound and part of the postseason run because he's, look, regardless of what he said or did or who's lucky or who's not, dude's a fantastic arm and a great young talent, confident, brash, arrogant, got great stuff. You want to see him on the mound, and you want to beat the best. I mean, right, the Ric Flair thing, to be the man, you got to beat the man. He's he been the man. But so is Kyle Wright, who's got 20 wins. And I know wins aren't everything, but there's still a thing. Max Freed, who's been brilliant. Charlie Morton, back-to-back really good seasons again. He continues to extend his career at the high level. We know what he does in big spots. Those three guys in whatever order, I don't remember offhand. And then you got, obviously, uh, Bassett DeGrom coming off, who's going to be. You know, DeGrom, I think about um, that scene in, was it, Little Giants, where Ed O'Neill is there. He says, um, that, who is that? That's a, that's a girl. No, no, that's my niece, Becky, and she's pissed. Icebox, how pissed do you think Jacob DeGrom's going to be? Coming off what was the worst start probably he had since 2017. So I, I expect three great games, assuming weather permitting, and that's something to watch here with the hurricane coming down this area, coming up on uh, Friday in as good of a I mean, they should put that thing on pay-per-view. That thing's going to be great. And that rivalry being back in the game is great. Want to give a nod to Pete Alonso, 128 runs batted in, broke the all-time mark for Mets in a single season, passing David Wright and Mike Piazza, who both sat there at what, 124. Pete Alonso got 39 home runs now. He had gone into a stretch of about three, four weeks where he kind of looked lost at the plate. <clears throat> Even Met fans kind of getting on him. And he and Lindor both had struggled a bit. But now Frankie, I mean, over 100 ribbies for the first time in his career. Uh, he breaking all the shortstop marks for Mets. He is the best shortstop to ever play in that, that jersey. He has been the MVP of this team this year, regardless of what people think. And they've got a few of them. He's at the front of that list. He's been brilliant. What's he fourth, I think, in F-War right now, right? In the National League. I mean, he's he's just been terrific. 
been terrific. You look at his name, all the stats carry out. He's been a gold glove defender this year. He's been great in big spots. So kudos to the two names they need. I mean, look, when teams go and they go deep into a postseason, you, you need those, those underdog stories. You need those godsend kind of stories to, to get in it. And you need some of them when you're in it. But it, at the end of the day, it's, the stars are going to carry you. And the Nationals don't do it a few years ago without Strasburg and Scherzer. The Astros, regardless of what you what they were doing or not doing, still not doing anything without the Altuves and at the time Springer and the Bregmans and the Correas. You can go to every team. You can go to any sport. It, it, it comes down to your stars. Your stars got to play. And I think for all these teams that we're talking about, your stars got to play. I don't care how complete of a team you are. You got to get your guys at the front end. If you don't get DeGrom and Scherzer for the Mets, pitching well, and you don't get those two guys in the middle hitting well, you're going home. Edwin Diaz won't get opportunities to play any trumpets. You're sitting there on the brave side in the NL East. You don't get it from Freed. And if Strider especially is out, get it from Wright and from Morton and what a staff they have. You don't figure out a way with Kenley in the back end or somebody to get some outs, get you tonight that you're going home too. But they still got to look in the middle of the lineup. And by the way, can we give – I don't think we can give too much credit for every single game, and it happened twice again this weekend – Every single game. And Brave fans know this rooting for it. Met fans know it rooting against it. That Dansby Swanson gets in a spot, needs to get a big hit. That dude's getting big hits. Uh, He's going to be getting paid some big money come uh, offseason time. Mets, Braves getting set up for the weekend for their Friday series. Again, Mets begin a series tomorrow. Miami, the Braves are off. Uh, the Braves are on tonight on tap against the Nationals, so we'll see what happens with that. Out West, the Los Angeles Dodgers going to have a record-setting win total for their franchise. Their run differential, I've mentioned this before, is plus 330-something, which is is more than double, and you got to scratch your head what the Mets have. Mets at 97 wins, nine less than the Dodgers, who are at 106. But just think about the differential there, 150, 160 runs. That's the level of dominance. And the Dodgers, in the most impressive part, and I talked about this with Jerry Harrison Jr. from Sportsnet out in L.A., who joined me this past week on the pod, and you can get that in all your episodes over on the YouTube channel. Just jump in the bio on Twitter or, of course, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast. But I was talking to him about this. The fact that Dodgers have done this with all the injuries they've had is, is remarkable. And now the latest added to that, Dustin May. You're not going to have Bueller. not going to have Trinan. You're, you're, you're trying to figure things out in the ninth inning. You know, Kimbrell out of the role. How many teams? Now, look, I know the Dodgers have won 106 games. I understand the Dodgers probably going to win 110, whatever it's going to be, right? I get how dominant they've been. They deserve to be, and they just clinched that home field as the one seed in the National League. The Dodgers have been ridiculously good. They deserve all the credit in the world. All right? I don't care if you're East Coast biased, West Coast. It doesn't matter where you live. You're not giving the Dodgers credit. You're an idiot. But if I'm a Dodger fan, and they're not as, look, they had a lot of winning, especially lately, right? They are not with the CTSD, the consistent traumatic stress disorder that a Met fan has. They're not sitting there in the life of a Philly fan, the life of even a Yankee fans who could turn upside down in three seconds. If you're a Dodger fan, aren't you concerned? I would be. Legit. They went home. Now, look, they were favorites in 2019. It was a different team. They went home in five games, lost at home. Scherzer and Strasburg, right, both started in that series. Both came out of the bullpen. You had Soto at the big home run. He wasn't even old enough to have a beer afterwards, even though I'm sure he snuck one or two. It was, what, 19, 20? We have seen this before. 
where teams that are dominant during a regular season go home in a short series. You're not, you're going to, the Dodgers are going to go into a postseason having not played a big game since when? The Mets series. I mean, no joke, no BS. The last time that, and it wasn't even really for the Dodgers a big game. I mean, for what? Like they lost two out of three. What did that mean? It meant nothing. All right. Mets beat uh, the Dodgers 11 times in 12 games in 1988. Oral Hersher has wiped them off the field. Mike Sosha and company, goodbye. I remember. Okay. It scored, it, it scarred my childhood. I get it. So Dodgers, to them, that wasn't even that big, but it was a big, it was a big stage and the atmosphere and the trumpets and, and the close games. And it, it was great baseball, right? It was great theater. That's going to be, when you get to October and they're going to wait another week because they're not going to play in that first, they're going to sit there in that buy in that wild card round. The Dodgers will have gone since, I don't even remember what the date was. We're here in September. Was that late August, early September? Somebody can tell me here in the channel or on Twitter. That, I mean, I, go back a few weeks ago. That's going to be the last time they played a meaningful game. These games don't mean anything, especially now officially. We knew they were going to get the number one seed, but now officially they got it. Dodgers are going to go weeks and weeks and weeks into a postseason, right, without having played a big game. Now it allows you to, especially with their injuries, try and rest guys, at least figure out what you have. Doc, you know, Dave Roberts gets to work work in, you know, some guys in different spots out of the bullpen and pinch hitting and and try this and try that, right? Which is, I think, really good and valuable for managers, especially if you ask them to be able to kind of know, okay, if I put you in that area, right? If I put you in that spot in a postseason, what do I got? Maybe that gives you something. But if you're a Dodger fan, if you're sitting there and you're being legitimately looking at this thing, right? And you're you're looking at where you're at, aren't you concerned? I How many teams get all these injuries, don't know who the hell their closer is, now, Tyler Anderson, look, you've been brilliant, all right? But pitch-to-contact guys normally aren't very good in a postseason, and he's had a year that's come out of nowhere. Are you trusting him against – look at the names I just brought up. Again, now we're not talking about necessarily first round here, perhaps, at least with one of the two teams, but I just mentioned you know, the idea of DeGrom game one, Scherzer game two, Bassett, let's say, game three, Carrasco or Walker game four, and even without Strider, even though you hope to have him back, having the likes of Freed and Kyle Wright and Charlie Morton, and then with Strider, think about that group. We, who are the Dodgers throwing out there? You don't trust anybody in the back end, albeit the guy you used to have in the back end. The Braves don't trust either, so I get it, right? Advantage for the Mets there with Diaz. But how many teams you ever root for covering baseball when you're sitting there all these years that you say, okay, well, I don't know who the hell the closer is. They're going to kind of figure it out. We don't really trust necessarily any of them. We got arms that got injury problems all over the map, and I'm not sure what to feel about that. And even though it's been dominant, you got issues. This team's got major problems. So it's really kind of a weird juxtaposition when you look at where the Dodgers are at. But give them credit, record season. I'm not trying to, you know, back pat, but I'm telling you, you know, you get into a spot where the loser of the NL East very well may match up in a five-game set, right? Assuming they beat the Phillies or Padres, whoever they play, there's still some maneuvering to be done there. You know, that, if you got a world championship defending Braves team, for example, as it would stand now, who's sitting there with that rotation and would have just come off, you know, playing in a series. Now, I understand then they can't maybe use Freed in game one or whatever they would have lost. But especially if Strider is back and that buys them an extra week. I mean, you know, who knows? He could be in that spot, right? Going game one. <clears throat> he is good, if not better than anybody the Dodgers would have with no offense to Clayton Kershaw in terms of in the now. Right. So. I don't know how much of an advantage the Dodgers are going to have. No momentum, a huge layoff, having not played a big game in forever, and not even know where they're going in the back end. Those things don't usually work out well. And I think, you know, if you're looking at it, you know, right now in terms of favorites, 
you know, the Astros, if you don't get them in five, I think you're in trouble. And I think there's some dangerous teams. Again, who do you think is the dark horse in, in Major League Baseball this year outside of that fearsome foursome? Braves, it, no, in no order. Mets, Dodgers, and, and Astros. Are you buying into the Yankees? Are you buying into Garrett Cole? May Aaron Judge do it a lot of this by himself? Are they, are they a dangerous postseason team? I don't know what they are. The Jays, to me, I love Alex Manoa. Like, I, Alex Manoa, I love watching this dude pitch. I love watching him pitch. Him and Gosman, their Romano on the back end, and the bats they got, and the experience with Springer, and the way Bichette can play. And Vlad, I'm telling you, Toronto's dangerous, man. It would not shock me. Wouldn't. But in that National League, <laughs> this NL East race that we're watching here down the stretch we we may get that in the in the NLCS this year, and we may be circa back to you know uh, ninety nine and two thousand in, in some unbelievable matchups that they've had in the past. I mean, with that rivalry back, because I think the Dodgers are in trouble. I know that sounds like the stupidest thing to say for a team that's got one hundred and six wins, but I, I I don't know in a postseason series right now with all their injuries, even that because look in seven games that's where your depth plays out and you really take advantage of all that. I don't know necessarily they can do that because their depth has been so banged up and maybe these other teams get to take more advantage of that. I'm not trying to, you know, forget the Cardinals or the Phillies or, or, you know, the Padres exist. I don't know if the Cardinals can pitch enough. I'm not buying the Padres. I'm just not, I, I, I you know, I love Bone Bell. I love some of the players. Machado has been brilliant. I, I just don't know. And the Phillies, I mean, the problem with them more than anything else, you know, they helped out the Mets once or twice here this past weekend is they can't beat the Mets at all. And they seemingly, and we saw it again yesterday in a spot where they easily could have and should have won that game, you know, you know, lose it late. Robertson gives it up. And then all of a sudden the Braves beat you again. I, I there's too much bugaboo. No offense to Kyle Schwarber and good for him. He now got 42 homers, but I think the Mets or the, the Braves, whoever lose that, if they'd knock them off the Dodgers, I think probably would, would, you know, it, it doesn't matter who, I mean, they're not getting to an LCS. I just don't see it. So I think you're looking at three teams in the National League. You got Dodgers, you got Mets, you got Braves, and the American League got the Astros, and then who? Let me know and jump on board at Casey Stern over on Twitter. I, I want to, and before I get to the NBA Media Day part of it, and I want to hit a couple of things here. And again, I got David Aldridge coming up tomorrow. Want to let you know about just a couple of things in terms of baseball with Unfiltered. Going to be live in the postseason every day. I'm excited about that. So I've got more on that. Stay tuned. Also, I've got uh, Gibby coming up tomorrow, uh, who's a uh, started a pot of his own and he's been brilliant on the Twitter side. Of course, they're talking about former Jays manager, John Gibbons. So we'll talk some Toronto, how dangerous are they among other things. Tyler Kepner got a, a great book out on the world series. Uh, just put out a great article today on judge been following it, covering it. New York times. He'll join me on Wednesday uh, and check out the holiday conversation I had with pools uh, and talking about, you know, him as a teammate, which just put out, I think, yesterday, which is episode 83. So there's a little bit of house cleaning. Let's get to some NBA media day here before we close on this live edition of Unfiltered. Again, episode 84. Welcome, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you're listening on your podcast. If you're in live, you can jump in the chat or reply or get in and make any comments you want, and I'll get them on here live on Twitter. Jump into the Twitter bio and get at me and jump on the YouTube channel, get the videos of all of our episodes, all of our interviews, the likes of my buddy Cliff Floyd and Buck Martinez and... Howie Rose and uh, you know Matt Holiday, who I mentioned, and, and plenty others. Dusty, which was a fantastic conversation. Speaking of the Astros and, and what they could do. NBA Media Day is like when you get there the first day of spring training, except the you know it's it's dolled up to a different level. Everybody in the greatest shape of their life. Everybody looked like they're working out. You know, Derek Rose, I saw it today in New York, and he lost twenty pounds. Got his shirt off, showing up his physique. Everybody loves each other. 
It's all kumbaya and everybody's going to win. I want to focus just on one team today, and that's the Nets. And that's where David Aldridge is today. He's going to join me on this tomorrow. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons. If there ever was, like, I want to see hard knocks, do another sport and do some basketball, I want to see these three. I mean, sign me up for that. Tell me that's not something you'd be interested in. I mean, you've got such polarizing personalities in all three different ways. I love, and it's my favorite podcast to listen to. I, I love the uh, <clears throat> old man in the three spot that they did with Ben Simmons. But, you know, I, I got a couple of things with that where I'm sitting there and I'm like, eh, you know, is it really a jersey, not a cell phone in your pocket? Number one. Number two, like, do you have enough responsibility for some of the stuff that you've done? Are you going to try and, and shoot? I've talked to too many people in the game who have talked to me about him not working hard enough on it. I want to see it. You, you can make all the jokes you want about, you know, how many threes you're going to take. But it, it's the confidence level that you don't seem to match up with Kyrie, at least with KD and Kyrie. That's not an issue. But I want to comment on just one thing that KD said, because I listened to all three of the conversations before I came on here today. Kevin Durant was asked about whether or not he feels like he has something to prove to the Nets fans as far as his loyalty. And he said, Nets fans should know me by now over the three years I've been here, and I don't have anything to prove to them. Was basically, and I'm paraphrasing, don't quote me on it, but you can go find it on Twitter. Are you serious? Are you kidding? First of all, one of the years you couldn't play, okay? Now, you were brilliant, 50-point output. I mean, look, P.J. Tucker still having nightmares about that. We tried to drag him by yourself, but you didn't win anything. And then, you know, you sit here this past year, you got swept off by the Celtics, which even Kyrie said he was embarrassed. I don't know why it took him so long. His play for the Celtics should have embarrassed him. But you're sitting there, and you got Kevin Durant telling me all you've proved. You just went publicly in front of everybody in the world, and look, there are too many people who were locked into those reports and there was too much smoke for there not to be fire. You were out there throwing under a bus a coach you wanted in Steve Nash, right? You said today in this presser that you never went to the GM and never said that. You went everywhere. You're trying to get the hell out of there, right? Telling Sean Marks to get rid of you. Went into the owner and said, hey, look, it's time to go. And you know it because, you know, the comment that's been viral from his conversation today was when he was out there and, and they were asking Kevin Durant about... um his trade, you know, are you surprised you're still in the Nets? And he's like, no, I know who I am. You know, they, they can't just give me away. But then he's sitting there in the same conversation. No, I never did. You went out there and you basically said, get me the hell out of here. I don't want to play here. Now, whether it's because you didn't think Kyrie was going to stay long term or you wanted to play with this guy or that guy, you told him where you wanted to get traded. You said, I'll go to Miami, but you can't trade Bam because I got to play with him. You're basically sitting there like you're, you're playing chess against yourself and moving all the pieces. You know, and I, look, you're a, you're a unicorn, you're a fantastic player, and the fact that ESPN offense in the rankings had you eighth, if anybody thinks Jason, Tat Jason Tatum's family members know he's not a better player than Kevin Durant, I don't want to hear that. That's garbage, all right? But there ain't seven players better than Kevin Durant. There probably aren't seven players in our lifetime that we've seen that got more talent than Kevin Durant, all right? But, and, and I get the confidence, and from a basketball standpoint, <clears throat> you're a cyborg, I get it, right? At least we understand that. It's why you were going to play. But this thing's going to be a mess, and I don't want to hear about how you don't have anything to prove to Net fans. You don't understand why you haven't shown them enough. What the hell did you show them? You just showed every fan that you're basically begging to get the hell out of there. You, you wanted to get out of there terribly. You basically got stuck because they didn't make a trade, and they didn't make the mistake that you wanted them to make, which was to give you away. You tried to piss them off enough that they'd get rid of you, 
And that's exactly what Kevin Durant did. I don't care what anybody says. If you see it another way, you're wrong. It's exactly what he did. Kevin Durant basically tried to make it so terrible of a situation that they would want to take less just to get him out of there because it never was going to work. So we got to get rid of the guy. It's exactly what you did. Don't tell me, like, what do I have to prove? How about proving to a Net fan you actually want to be there for five minutes? How about that? How about proving to a Net fan that you can win with this group, that you have so much power in assembling, that you, you, know, you want Kyrie, who isn't a winner, hit one huge shot, was on a team LeBron was the star of, sorry, won 28 games by himself, was terrible with the Celtics down the stretch, complaining, made nobody better. Gordon Hayward been back for seven minutes, and he had a better series than him. Walked up the court, yet he told you that's the first time he's been embarrassed? Just getting swept by the Celtics? I'm sorry. This dude's got unbelievable talent. Can we not call them out for just complete garbage? Don't tell me you don't owe them anything, because that's garbage. You tried, the, you, you know, it's like, you know, would you, uh, can you imagine, like, Look, if you're his teammate, you're like, I don't care. It's like why Steph would want him back and, and said so with the Warriors. Like, who doesn't want Kevin Durant on their team? The guy's a cyborg, right? I get it. I get that. You know, Joe Harris ain't upset. I get that. Like, what the hell does he carry? Tried to get out of there. Wasn't right? Fine. I get that. Claxton, those guys, they're not upset. I got Kevin Durant back. But don't tell me you don't got anything to prove to the fans. How about proving you actually want to play there for five minutes? Please. You can join us for all the minutes on Unfiltered. Jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution and get all the merch at Believe. Uh, this is much more than just about sports. And I want to close with it that way. You know, one of the things that we talk about on our show, and I've done seven installments now of this LifePod series. I just put another one out on Acceptance a couple of days ago. Is, you know, just to kind of, you know, please remember and be, be conscious of every day as we sit here on a Monday afternoon, the importance of mental health whether it's for you yourself, whether it's for people who are around you, family members and friends, the most important thing that I, I always try and impart, and we're all together in this, try and empower people. If you see somebody is down, if you see somebody who's struggling, somebody that you know, I know you may be having a bad day too. I know it may be not be your time period. I know maybe it's not the right time and you got other things and other fish to fry. But if you are sensing that somebody is struggling, lift a hand, reach it out and help them. That moment, where you just say, hey, I got you, could change their life. Hopefully, I don't know if we're changing lives. At least you're being entertained. Are you entertained? We got more coming up on Unfiltered. Keep joining the revolution. Thanks so much for being on board. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.